Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. Father, you are always extending grace. And we can either posture ourselves to receive your grace, or we can miss it. And when your grace touches a human life, it does a lot of things. It empowers us. It heals us. It restores us. It opens our eyes wider to the wonder of who you are and what you've given us in Christ and in the gospel. It's a way that we receive more of your love. You are love and you pour out your love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Your grace does a multitude of good when we are open to it. Would you show us now ways that we might be resisting the benefits of your grace. Whether that are that is things that maybe are hidden in the dark that need to be brought to light. Maybe it's our own getting caught up in the, the things of this world and in the ways of this world and instead of allowing ourselves to be created in your image through grace, we are creating you in our image or the world's image. Maybe we are just living too fast or thinking about too many things to contemplate the deeper things of God and to receive your goodness in those ways. In all the ways that we are restricting you, in all the ways that we are keeping ourselves from receiving more of your grace, would you give us the courage and the strength to surrender? In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple things before we jump into the, the message today. Um, one is that our wonderful administrative coordinator, Bree Titchener, who we love very much, um, is has some new opportunities in her other work with Grigio. And um, it's public now, so I can say it. You guys, some of you know Grigio and that they have actually bought Spoon Market and uh, will be taking over that. So there's going to be some new opportunities that Brie has in her work with Grigio. And so she's going to be focusing more of her energy on that. And she was working part-time as an administrative coordinator for us at Southside and served us so well and just... Um, her eye for design in particular and for making things beautiful has impacted our church in some good ways. So um, in the beginning of the creation account, uh, it was important. God pointed out that not only were the trees good for food, they were also beautiful. So we were created to enjoy beauty, and she's brought a lot of that in various ways to Southside. So thank you, Bree, for your service. We love you. 
Um, Brie has, one of the cool things about Grigio is they have space, they have beautiful brick walls for galleries, so they have local artists that can put their work up there. Brie has her work up, her photography work um, is up in the gallery at Grigio. If you haven't had a chance to go see it yet, it's beautiful, it's awesome, and you will enjoy it. Please go see that, support Brie, and um, I think it's up through April 24th, is that what it is? April 28th, so that's one way that you can thank and thank Brie for all the things that she's done for us. So, um, We also have another change in staff, and that is uh, Mr. Bobby Anderson. I told you a little bit about Bobby a couple weeks ago, but most of you don't need to hear anything more about him because you know him and you've seen his character and his work ethic. He's one of these guys that we have a lot of at this church that just quietly behind the scenes makes things better, solves problems, fixes issues. I'm walking around right now and you're not hearing a lot of squeaking. That's because Bob just came in and fixed it. So uh, Bobby Anderson is our new um, family minister and he's also going to function in some other ways, just helping carry the load of some of the ministry that I do. So we're going to work in partnership. He's doing 30-ish hours a week. And I wanted to introduce you, if you don't know Bobby, I'm going to have Bobby come up here and just um, talk for a little bit, share a little bit about himself. And why don't you just start with maybe just introduce us to your family. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? That's, that's very Southside. <laughs> that's, that's the way right there. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know me, I'm Bobby. Um, my wife, Tina, we've been coming to Southside for three years now. Um, I have to look at her because it seems like a couple months. Um, it's just an amazing family that we have been blessed with. Um, yeah. What, what are some of the ways that you and Tina both serve already and have been serving for a while? What mm -hmm. are some of the ways that you've, you've served at, at Southside? At Southside, um, greeters. So probably most of y'all saw me this morning holding the door, shaking a hand, saying, hey, good to see you. Um, we've done that and uh, community leaders, um, which is awesome. Yeah. What's... What's your, okay, so not specifically family ministry, but what's one of the things that you're looking most forward to just about working in a church vocationally and, and your position? Probably the biggest thing for me is getting to know everybody at the church. Hmm. Um, I, I'm one that I see faces and I'm like, oh, I know, I know who they are. I have no clue who they are, but I recognize that face. Um, kids, on the other hand, I see them, I watch them grow. I, I know them over parents or grandparents. Um, so I'm pretty excited to get to know the family and have a, a lot better relationship with them. What else do you do with your free time? <laughs> all, all the time that you have, which is... Um, I also haul Amish. I'm a... Amish taxi driver. Which um, is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so every now and then you'll see a gray or silver 
um, because I'm partially colorblind. I think it's silver. Um, 15 passenger van, tall boy, driving back and forth through the entrance here. Um, so we're parking a few cars up at uh, Township. So when I'm not hauling on Sunday mornings, I'll be transporting people back and forth, um, especially the days that it's raining or snowing or I hate to say that word, freezing rain, snow. Um, so yeah, um, I do that. And um, I also am the girls high school track coach at Triway. Um, and yeah. Awesome. So what are you, so your official title is family minister. What are you most excited for as you start to get to know people and, and have meetings and appointments and learn from people here and learn from people outside of Southside, what are you, what are you most excited for about the, the family ministry stuff? I think one of the biggest things is I came from a church where the core of the church was youth. And we've got amazing kids at this church and I'm mostly excited about getting a program building from where they have it now and trying to make it better for the kids and for the parents that the kids are going to want to come here the parents are going to be encouraged that they're coming they're growing they're learning mm. and hopefully that they get excited about it so yeah, very cool. Well, Bobby is um, having all sorts of appointments. If you would like to talk with him, and um, he's open, he is really good interpersonally, which is it's an incredible thing to find someone who's very good in some of like executive administrative skills, um, which is overseeing a growing organization and all the logistics behind that. But also, he's really good in those things, but also interpersonally. It's hard to find someone that's really gifted in both those areas, and Bobby's got that. So if you'd like to talk with him, set up a time, just email bobby at southsideworcester.com. Bobby. Don't call him Bob. We're calling him Bobby. So you have to say it with that type of accent, too. Hey, Bobby. Yeah, thanks, Bob for, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> good man. Bro hug, Bobby. All right. This past September, we started something called common practices. Now, common practices are things that we do together. They're like spiritual disciplines that we all commit as a church to doing together for three months. So we started with the autumn prayer, and that was September, October, November. And then we did the winter practice which was December, January, February, and that was the four-by-six card where you carry that around and it has a verse on it that you kind of bake into your system by constantly referring to that verse. So that was our winter prayer. It's time for spring. How excited, you guys, that we are starting our spring practice. That is an exciting thing. Even though we'll get probably a blizzard in April, we are thinking positively and calling this our spring Spring common practice. So we are going through the church calendar this year. We're in the season of Lent, and we're pausing just for one Sunday so that I can do a little teaching about our common 
practice, which is statio, and you'll be hearing about that this, this whole message. If you're visiting with us, our normal manner of preaching is to allow a text to anchor us. We like, we prefer long walks through books of the Bible. This year, we're allowing the church calendar to anchor us in a specific text, but we, the Bible speaks for itself, and we like to read a passage and talk about it and wrestle with it. How does it apply to our lives? So we typically, on Sunday mornings, are really anchored and tethered to a text. Uh, this morning is going to be different. It's going to be one of the few times where the teaching is going to be a little bit more pragmatic, but I think it's worth it because of what this practice will do for us. So, if you're following along in your notes, you're going to have to really pay attention because there's no slides. So we'll see how good you guys are. The Bible instructs us, this is your first, first part of your sermon notes, the Bible instructs us how to live a morally beautiful life in two different ways. I was just seeing if you're paying attention. It says three, it's two. So the one is objective instructions. Objective is your fill in the blanks. Objective instructions. This is active instruction through direct speech. So it tells us how to live through direct speech. We get this like in the Ten Commandments. Have no other gods before me. Don't make for yourself a carved image. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not covet your neighbor's stuff. These are ten words, ten commandments that explicitly state how we are to live. How we can live a, a beautifully moral and ethical life. How we can be safe. How the words that we speak are safe and good and right. How the ways that we act are safe and good and right. The Bible tells us objective ways to do this. So, and we have the Sermon on the Mount, which unpacks in a deeper way the commandments. And then we have epistles, letters in the New Testament that give different case studies, things that are happening at different churches. And so they emphasize different commandments in different ways. And they tell us, here's what this commandment looks like in this situation that's happening at the church. These are all objective, spoken, written ways that tell us how to live a morally beautiful life. But the Bible instructs us in another way, too. And that is through subjective examples. Subjective examples. And these are passive instructions through observing Jesus' life. If Jesus lived a perfect human life, there's a lot to be gleaned from His model. We can look at multiple scenarios, multiple cases, multiple types of confrontations, multiple types of interactions with a variety of different people who are at a variety of different stages in their life with God. 
And we can see how God himself would interact in that particular moment by observing how Jesus lived. And one of the things that we notice about Jesus are the rhythms and the routines he puts in place to pump the brakes on the speed and the pace of his life. So for example, he seemed to frequent the coastal town of Capernaum to stay with friends. Capernaum is a shoreline town, the Sea of Galilee, on the northwest part of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus seemed to frequent Capernaum to stay with friends. He, um, Kara pointed out to me that he actually seemed to vacation there. Uh, after he had, after he did his first miracle at a wedding, um, which tells something about Jesus as well, he went to Capernaum with his mom and his brothers and his disciples, and he stayed there a few days. And that doesn't tell us a lot about what he did there. But he would frequent there to be with friends and loved ones. It's one of the ways that he pumped the brakes on his life. Jesus would sometimes send the disciples on ahead of him so that he could be alone. Luke 5.16 tells us that he frequently withdrew from people to pray. He would go to lonely, desolate places. Another way he pumped the brakes in his life. He took full advantage of the restorative beauty of nature. Luke 22.39 says that it was his custom to go to the Mount of Olives. Now, a lot of times we see someone, some amazing figure, or we read some amazing biography, and um, we read about the way that they lived, and we really admire them, and we say that we want to be like them, but we don't actually do the things that they did. And that's often how we think about Christianity. We look at the life of Jesus, and we'll listen to his teachings, which is what we should do, but we completely ignore the way that he lived. And so when we see the ways that Jesus pumped the brakes on his life, we sometimes, for some reason, it just doesn't register that we ought to do the same thing. If Jesus knew how to live the wisest and most loving life possible, and he pumped the brakes on his life, it doesn't connect, it doesn't register, huh, Maybe I ought to do that too. Maybe I'm, my life isn't more important than Jesus's. That maybe I could afford to do some of the things that he did to practice this. He had three years. His public ministry was three years. And so often he seemed to be trying to get alone away from the crowds. That should tell us something. So he enjoyed the mountains. He went to the Mount of Olives as a custom, as a routine, as a rhythm. But he also went to other mountains. The transfiguration probably happened on Mount Tabor. We don't know for sure, but there was a lot of other mountains in that area that he frequented. He recruited his disciples when he was, a walk, when he was going on a walk by the Sea of Galilee. He walked by the sea. So these restorative times in nature were one of the ways that Jesus pumped the brakes on his life. 
So the question we have to ask ourselves is what does that look like for us today? If even when the disciples came back from a busy season of ministry and he said to them, let's get away for a little while to a lonely, quiet place together. Let's just get away from the crowds. What are ways that we can do that today? I think our spring common practice is going to help. I have a friend, uh, Lucas, we go, have, we go to Winking Lizard every other month. We've been doing this for, gosh, I mean, it's got to be over a decade. Him and I and another friend, Dan, have been like hiking together for like 18 years, and we, Lucas and I started this tradition a little bit after we started that, so maybe 15 or 16 years, every other month, Winking Lizard, Bowman's Buffalo Chicken Sandwich. Oh, Alex, you've had it. You've had, have you had Bowman's? Oh, wait, who's, has anyone had Bowman's Buffalo Chicken Sandwich? Oh, my goodness. Johnny's had it. Okay, so Johnny and I know, nobody else knows. You guys don't understand how amazing Bowman's Buffalo Chicken Sandwich is. It's, it's a buffalo chicken sandwich in garlic bread with steak fries. And it's, we get it, we've got like 15 years we've gotten the same sandwich. It's unbelievable. COVID struck, and we couldn't do it. I was devastated. So Lucas calls me, and he's like, I got it covered. Why don't you come over to my house? I'll take care of it. I'm like, there's no way you're recreating buffalo chicken sandwich. Don't even try it. He's like, nah, I won't. I got it. So I drive to Lucas's house. He's standing outside of his garage. Garage door's open, big grin on his face. And he, we did the bro hug. Boom, boom, two pats. We walked to the back of the, his backyard, I look back there, there is a steak sizzling on the grill. It smells so good. He's like, I've been, I've been working on this for a while. It is going to be ready, tender, juicy. It's a huge steak. I'm excited. He's got a table set up. He's got two nice plates. He's got the steak knives. He's got an ice cooler with drinks. He's got everything set up. He's got like a little baked potato bar. He's set everything up. I can tell Lucas has been working on this, and he was ready for me to be there. And probably knowing Lucas, he probably spent time ahead of time praying for our time together as well. I've thought about that moment a lot, like the quality of his preparations, his quali- the quality of his hospitality stuck with me. I was like, I feel so cared for because of his unhurried preparation. He was ready for me before I got there. He was waiting before I got there. He was praying before I got there. And it made our time together that much richer. Our spring common practice, I believe, will allow us to facilitate moments like this for others. It's called statio. In the monastic tradition, it simply means a holy pause. It means to create a space to become re-aware of God's presence. It creates a space for us to pray for the people that we're about to meet with and pray for the people we just met with. It's multiple holy pauses throughout our day to remind ourselves that we are 
receivers of God's goodness. And that he will help us. We're not going into any conversation, any meeting, any task with just ourselves. We're going with ourselves and the Holy Spirit. So let's give a practical definition so we know how to actually do this. Statio, for us, here's what it looks like. Be present and prepared five minutes early. This morning when I was driving here, I literally got behind again. This happens so frequently on Sunday mornings. The absurdly slowest driver you could possibly... I mean, I've, I always get behind slow drivers, but I'm, I know I'm teaching about this, so I'm leaving just a little bit early, and it is absurd how slow a person is in going in front of me. It's 35 miles, miles an hour zone. They're going like nine and I am not even kidding. It is, I'm like about to get out of my car and run up beside them and say, what are we doing? What are we doing? They were going so slow. My life is just, sometimes it feels like I am flying. I'm bouncing from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. So this is something that I need as much as anyone in here. Be present and prepared Five minutes early. Now, this isn't a direct commandment in Scripture. But what it does is it indirectly affects our abilities to abide in Christ more deeply, moment to moment, and to love others more wholeheartedly. Statio fits into the family of spiritual disciplines called enhancement disciplines. They enhance the more important and vital disciplines, like reading Scripture, memorizing Scripture, praying. With statio, when you read the Bible, you're more attentive to it. It sinks in a little bit deeper. You read it in a little bit more of a personal way. It affects you. You're giving your, more of your full attention and presence to Scripture, and God can do something with that. When you're not living with statio, when you're just like bouncing from one thing to the next and you're reading the Bible, it's a very shallow reading most of the time, and it doesn't really have any impact. Statio enhances the other disciplines. When I'm praying, I can tell a difference in myself when I've been practicing like statio or I've been practicing solitude and silence because when I pray after those things, it enhances my prayer. I'm actually saying things that I, that I mean. You know, I'm not going through the normal Thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for this food. Thank you for this. Like, it's actually, I'm attending to the words that I'm saying in a different way. Praying out of something like statio has a different gravity to it. And oftentimes, we, we feel like we're, when we're praying, we're just saying the same rote words, and it's just habitual, and we don't really mean what we're saying. We don't really want what we're asking for. We're just kind of in some mindless way 
talking to God because we're supposed to pray, but we're not really invested in the things that we're saying. Our prayers are shallow. We pray what we think we're supposed to pray instead of praying what we actually mean. The most heart-wrenching, painful thing for me to see, there's a couple of them as a pastor, but one of them is people who acknowledge the importance of prayer, but their life isn't marked by prayer. They don't actually do it. They don't actually talk to God in a real way. We would say prayer is important, but they don't remember the last time they went on a walk for an hour and created leisurely space just to honestly talk about their life with God. Or they pray and they don't mean it. Or they don't have regular spots in their life where they enjoy conversing with God. And so they never really see the fruits or the benefits of it. Statio creates space and capacity to have that type of prayer. In your notes, I have two sections. One is without statio and with statio. And I, I've talked, I've touched on some of these things. But let's just read it. Without statio, residue from every activity bleeds into the next activity, causing us to have a worried and distracted mind. The more things you think about at once, the more anxious your mind is. It's impossible to love others well when you have a worried and distracted mind. It's impossible to love God with all your heart when you have a worried and distracted mind. This is the Martha, or the Martha, Martha, um, you are anxious and troubled about many things statement that Jesus said. Only one thing is necessary. You know, it wasn't that Martha was supposed to stop serving and stop doing what she was doing, go sit at Jesus' feet like Jesus, or like Mary was. It was that Martha could have been worshiping God by serving everybody if she would have just prayerfully focused on that one thing. That was the issue. She was worried and distracted about many things. That's what Jesus was addressing. Without statio, we just have residue that builds up from activity to activity to activity. And from conversation to conversation to conversation, so by the last person we talk with throughout the day, it's a combination of everything we've been thinking and talking about that day because we've not released anything to God's hands. Without statio, we don't have space to release our last activity or appointment into God's hands. This five minutes prepared and present allows you to pause and say, God, that last conversation, I just release it into your hands. I'm not going to try to control it or fix it. I'm giving it to you. It's a seed that's been planted. You do whatever you want with it. Or that last task that I did, I'm going to leave it in your hands. I do this every day after I prepare work on the sermon for a little bit. I'm leaving the rest of it in your hands. If you want to bring things to mind for me to think about and add to this tomorrow, I trust that you will do that. I'm not thinking about it anymore. I'm leaving it into your hands. It's an act of faith to move from one activity to the next.
Without Statio, we're not as attentive to how God is working in the current moment. When you're having a conversation with someone and you are starting to exercise personal ministry, starting to try to learn how to pay attention to how God's at work around you, you are talking to the person, you're listening to them, and you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's all sorts of non-weird ways to do that, so don't be afraid of that. But you're listening to them and you're paying attention to what God's doing inside of you and what He's doing in this person as you're having a conversation with them. You're listening on those two levels. Without Statio, you can't, you're just a blur. You're like looking at your phone and half listening and like we've gotten really good at like being able to subtly add to the conversation so it seems like we're with them while we're also doing, yeah, yeah, oh, that is, yeah, I got you, yep. Mm, yes, yes. I totally agree on that, and I would say the same thing. I mean, we've become really good at showing people we're actually not that interested. With Statio, there are built-in moments all throughout our day to seek God's strength and presence. Do you know that you're supposed to spend your day seeking God's strength and presence? This was my winter. This was my winter uh, common practice. It's 1 Chronicles 16.11. It says, seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence once a day. Seek His presence once an hour. You know what it says? Seek His presence continually. So Statio gives us built-in moments to become mindful again of, oh, wait, I'm not seeking God's presence. Maybe now's an opportunity to do that. Statio enables us to better enjoy what Willard calls the quietly transforming friendship of Jesus. There's a a really good example of this in The Divine Conspiracy. Um, I'm going to read it for you. It's about a guy named Frank Laubach. Frank Laubach wrote of how in his personal experiment of moment-by-moment submission to the will of God, the fine texture of his work and life experience was transformed. The quality of his life changed when he started paying attention to God. In January of 1930, he began to cultivate the habit of, listen to this. Johnny, you remember this. Where are you at? I just saw you. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I called him out. He just walked out, probably used the bathroom. Now I feel terrible. Tori, don't tell him I did that. Johnny knows about this. I got to be really careful when I have these harebrained ideas in the spur of the moment. All right. So here's what he did. Here was, was, here was his practice of... <laughs> Chad just opened the door. He's playing, on, he's playing with his daughter on the floor. I love Johnny. Um, here's, how, here's how Frank did this. In January of 1930, he began to cultivate the habit of turning his mind to Christ. Listen to this. For one second out of every minute, just decided, I'm going to remember that God exists. 
I'm going to remember Jesus one second out of every minute. After only four weeks, he reported, I feel simply carried along each hour, doing my part in a plan which is far beyond myself. This sense of cooperation with God in little things is what so astonishes me, for I never have felt, I've never felt it this way before. I need something and turn around to find it waiting for me. I must work to be sure, but there is God working along with me. Johnny, do you remember this part? See, he's there. He's got it. This was an incredible. We read through this book. It took us like a year and a half, but we read through this book together. It's compelling. Now listen to this. This was the results. From a lonely missionary post in the Philippines, God raised Frank Laubach to the status of Christian world statesman and spokesman for Christ. He found the World Literacy Crusade, still in operation today, and without any political appointment, he was influential on United States foreign policy in the post-World War II years. But he was forever and foremost Christ's man and always knew that his brilliant ideas and incredible energy and effectiveness derived from his practice of constant conscious interface with God. He knew where it came from. I have a little sticky note, big sticky note, on the wall in my office in my basement that says the ideas come from the Holy Spirit and the energy to carry out the ideas come from the Holy Spirit because it's when I pause and attend to God quietly that he gives me new ideas for how to lead more effectively because it is in, it's in quietness and in strength that we experience God's power. It's in quietness and strength. That's Isaiah 30, 15. So, Five minutes ahead of time, present and prepared. With Statio, we create natural spaces for unceasing prayer. So Paul tells us, pray without ceasing. It's a really good idea that 99% of people don't take seriously. But what if we did? With Statia, we are able to love others more wholeheartedly. You can't love others well when you're in a hurry. Love is not efficient. My first church where I served was Strong's United Methodist Church, and, and um, this was 2000. I was a youth pastor, and I went on a, a mission trip with some other United Methodist churches in the area. And one of the other youth pastors' name was Denny. And when I went on this mission trip, like, I was like the fun-loving youth pastor that was, you know, just kind of, it's hard to imagine, goofy. And so I, you know, I was always, I w I've always tackled people for some reason. It's like how I show my affection. I just want to tackle people. So I was, you know, I, I had a magnetism around me because of my personality, because I was fun, and I did all the fun stuff. But there was another guy named there, Denny, that was not what I would say fun-loving. He was a lot more stoic, but he always had a line of teenagers waiting to talk to him. He always had a line of adults waiting to talk to him. A couple times that I got to talk to him on that trip, it's, you know, I was compelled by how much he paid attention to me. 
by the questions that he asked. And so I, um, he brought his Franklin Covey on the, on the trip, and he would like literally schedule. We've got three-hour block every time, and he'd schedule every half hour. He would have someone come talk to him. He's just one of the great disciples of people. And so I asked if I could meet with him after this mission trip, if I could come to his office. And he said, absolutely. So I go to his office, go to Denny's office. Again, he's waiting for me. He takes me back to his office. He has another, another table set up. And he said, I know you were interested in talking about these things. So I did a little research and I looked in some of my books and I made some copies of some chapters that have been influential for me in this area. And he had them in a little manila envelope and he had tea ready for me and just, um, he was very hospitable and he sat and listened and asked very perceptive questions about the things I was talking about and was completely engaged in the conversation and listened for about 50 minutes and then talked for about 10 minutes at the end and said things that were exactly what I needed to hear that shifted the weight of everything in my life that I'm still feeling the repercussions of to today, 24 years ago. I think about that conversation a lot. He was ready and prepared for me. And I have on the bottom of your notes, I wrote an article. I was so impacted by it. I wrote an article about it on someone's blog. And you can read that if you'd like. But what if Denny was in a hurry? What if I got there and he's like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just finishing up this other thing. Um, wait, what again were you wanting to talk about? I totally forget. And let's, let's get to my office and we can sit down and talk about it. And like we rushed to his office and he's like, uh, I've got like um, 30 minutes and then I have to run to the next thing. I'm sorry, but I know this is really important. What were you going to say? I have an article about that. I read something about that. Hold on. Let me look at my books. I've got something about that somewhere. I know I do. Uh, I'll, I'll make it. I'll, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. I'll email it to you or, or I'll, I'll take it to you somehow. I'll get it to you. Like what if, what if he wasn't prepared for me? The sad thing is, Right now, that's how I feel inside when I have appointment after appointment after appointment. It's usually how I feel. I might not come, out that way, come off that way because I'm a good actor, but it's kind of how I feel. One of the things that would have amazed us about Jesus is the, is the sheer force of his presence and his attentiveness. We see that in the Gospels and in all the ways he dealt with people. A life of rushing from one activity to the next without pause will have very little impact on the kingdom. Very little impact on the kingdom. Be present and prepared five minutes early. And for some of us, you know, running around from one thing to another or giving half attention to people that we're talking to has become a habitualized way of living. And we're kind of just always showing up just in time and rushing to the next thing. And what I'm asking all of us to do is to create space in our lives to turn our hearts and attentions to God, to seek His strength and presence continually, to pray. And let's just see what He does. Let's do it for three months. Let's just do it for three months as an experiment and see what happens. Next week, we're going to continue our walk through Lent, and we will be anchored and tethered to a passage again, which is the way that I prefer it, but I hope 
that this will bear spiritual fruit because of how it enables us to be more present to God and others throughout our day. Statio, be present and prepared five minutes early. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.